Well, life is a struggle, isn't it? Um, when, when I came to know the Lord, I th- thought, well, everything's going to smooth right out. But, but what, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm there with you. So, um, but you know, we have a great God, and we are more than conquerors this morning um, because of him who loved us. And, um, and love us he does. Although, you know, we struggle at times. Uh, I know that there are people here today that are st- in the midst of a struggle. And um, uh, it's not easy at times. And we, 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 the things in our life that happen, and, and uh, we hope that they'll work out, and uh, we pray without ceasing, like Paul tells us to. I hope you do. And J- as James instructs us, we ask for wisdom. But all too often, we lose hope that the problem is ever going to get any better, or l- let alone get resolved. And if this continues, we can get to the point that we begin to wonder if God really cares. Now, that's silly. I mean, we, we always come to our senses on that. But... You know, you can start to feel that way sometimes. And um, uh, that he actually is on the way toward rescuing the situation, whatever it might be. So um, let's tackle this study this morning, this message this morning, more than conquerors. And um, before we do, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you, Lord, for um, this day, this special day, to remember our moms and celebrate our moms. And, uh, and uh, Lord, uh, uh, what a blessing coming up through the years. Oh, there were struggles then too. But, uh, but all in all, Father, what, what a, a blessing to have family and, and to have mom and dad. And, and um, uh, Lord, we uh, just uh, thank you so much for them. And uh, thank you for the privilege of, of being here today with with moms and and uh, and with our parents coming up, with dad coming up in June and and uh, Lord, uh, what a blessing to to remember back and times got rough once in a while, sure, but uh, uh, we just uh, rejoice in uh, uh, the relationships that, that that have been built. And Lord, we just commit this message now and and uh, this time to you in Jesus' name, Amen. So we do wonder sometimes when things really get rough. If God really cares, but be careful, be careful. Faith must prevail. For he tells us that without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now it's interesting in your Bible if that's, uh, that's Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and, and most of us are very familiar with that verse. But in your Bible, if you don't have that word diligent in there, it could be that your version left it out, but really it's not left out because um, your Bible may say he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Now, the diligence is in the original language buried in the word seek. And the King James translators decided, well, not everybody's going to realize that, so we'll pull that word out and make it individual there. 
and put it in there. I think that was a good idea. Amen? So um, just remember that, regardless of what Bible version you use, there's nothing wrong with it. But when you get to that verse and you see that word seek, uh, just hope you'll remember that. Um, now, diligence requires persistence. They go hand in hand. Consider the parable of the persistent widow for a moment. Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8, the persistent widow parable. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a city, a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, Yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. She kept coming and kept coming, and it was bugging him. So um, he, he just wanted her to, he just wanted to get rid of her. That's the parable. And of course, we apply that to what the Lord is trying to tell us here. Um, so, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect, who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? How important it is and paramount it is to have faith, regardless how rough things get and, and when you think it's just not working and it hasn't been working for a while. Whatever struggle it is, or struggles, plural, uh, where they, they, sometimes come, they come, sometimes come in bunches, um, uh, faith is, is, is paramount in those situations. Um, now, near the tail end of that parable, in verse 8, uh, the Lord says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Now, that word speedily, will get, initially, when I first read that, when I was a new Christian, I thought, oh, boy, I can just pray. And you, Everybody, you've all heard of the Nehemiah prayer, right? Now, Nehemiah, when he had to get, get trucking and get to Jerusalem to start the rebuilding, um, he was, the king noticed he was bummed because of, and he was really upset because of the fact that Jerusalem had been destroyed and it was time to get it rebuilt. And so right there sitting in front of the king, he, he, he prayed. And God answered that prayer instantly. Got him everything he needed. It was an eight, it's an 800-mile journey uh, back to Jerusalem from where he was. And, um, and God provided it all. But instant prayer answers are not common like that. You've noticed that, I'm sure. And um, so um, uh, the idea between, uh, the, the idea around that, uh, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily, means in time to satisfy the need. But Matthew chapter 6 tells us that he knows our needs before we even ask him. And... Um, so, and he knows exactly the timing. 
that this all has to take place. After all, he's managing just more than you and me. He's dealing with millions of people. And, um, and some of them may interact. Some of these situations may interact. And so he's got it all worked out. And um, so be patient and uh, uh, persevere because um, he will answer it in his good time. Um, And uh, closing out that parable, he says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And faith is paramount. paramount. Now, God is in the avenging business. But his timing is exactly as it needs to be if the prayer, prayer is to be answered as the need requires. So we mustn't lose hope. God is not in the business of promoting hopelessness. We need to have, the faith cannot wane. Faith, it's so easy for our faith to wane, it seems, isn't it? I mean, we, we, we're going along fine and everything's working out fine. All of a sudden, we, we hit a roadblock and we stumble. And, um, and next thing you know, we're, it, it doesn't take much and we're down in the dumps again. So um, uh, we, we have to hang in there um, and be patient. Um, so let's examine the level of care that he actually has for us because, as I said a moment ago, we can get to that point where, where is God? Why isn't he working on this problem I have? Why isn't he working in this situation? So I thought it'd be good to examine the level of care that he actually has for us. Let's check out Isaiah 41.10. Isaiah 41.10, most of you could probably quote it. But we're going to have a lot more that, that maybe you couldn't, and, and there is a, a ton of material here to, uh, to answer this question of, of examining what he actually has for us. But Isaiah 41.10 is a good place to start. Fear not, for I am with you, God says. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. You know, the right hand of God is interesting in Scripture. Politically, we say that, that if, if, you're, if, you're, if you're interested in, in what God wants to have happen in our country or whatever, uh, we want things to go to the right. Isn't that true? And uh, God's right hand is prolific in Scripture. We're going to run into it a lot here. Now, it's interesting that we're so familiar with Isaiah 41.10, but just a couple of verses down the road, Isaiah 41.13, not so much. Listen to this one. For I, the Lord your God, will hold your right hand, saying to you, fear not, I will help you. Now, does that sound like a God that's just complacent, that just doesn't, doesn't care? Maybe, well, I'll get to you when I get to you. No, I don't think so. Uh, fear not, I will help you. And now listen to what, the, what God says to us through the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 29, 11. Verse 11. Uh, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Isn't that awesome? to give you a future and a hope. 
That's, what God, that's where God's interests are. And he doesn't just wake up to that you know, when we begin to, 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 to pray to him and, and, and complain about our problems. He's ready instantly at all times. That's his job. That's, that's what he loves to do. Um, now, Romans 8.24. We'll skip and, and, and get one from the New Testament. It says that we were saved in this hope. Jeremiah said to give you a future and a hope. And Romans 8.24 says we were saved in this hope. Now, this isn't an, an I hope so hope. You know, if, if your friend at work uh, wants to go golfing with you on the weekend and you get it all worked out, yeah, I think that'll work fine, but uh, the, the Friday comes and he comes to check with you and you're saying, oh, I don't know. Um, I was hoping I could go, but you know, my wife's got her honeydew list and you know, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. See, it's, That's not what hope is in the Bible for us. It's a certain thing. It's a certain thing that does not waver, that hope. And um, now, did, so far, do these texts, in, let's take a, a, a check here. Do these texts in any way indicate that God is indifferent in the matter of helping us? Not, not in the least. As a matter of fact, it, it gets more and more powerful as we go along. Let's think about David and Goliath for a moment. I mean, uh, here's David. God has, has, has placed him in this situation where he is going to go up against the, the uh, Philistines' top guy. Nine feet tall, you know, a, a spear like a weaver's beam, and you know, you know all the descript- descriptors there. And he's loaded up with armor. So um, uh, David has to fight this battle with, with, of course, as we know, a sling with a stone in it. And so as, the, as Goliath gets, approaches close enough, David whirls that uh, sling around and lets it fly smack right between the eyes. And down he goes, and that's the end of it. Now, we need to be careful here that we don't start giving David all the glory for this because we know who's behind this. Amen? And... Um, uh, in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17, tells us, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment, this is you and me he's talking to, as well as David, as well as everybody through the ages that, that has had the privilege to know the Lord. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants, the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. That's powerful stuff. And now we know why David was so victorious, why it was a foregone conclusion, because God engineered it all, and he was right there to make certain that it was going to work out uh, to his glory and to the, the safety of, of Israel and, uh, and David, certainly in that battle. Now, let's move on to Daniel. Uh, Daniel and everyone else, when they were in captivity in Babylon, uh, they were told that no one was to pray. 
That was a, an edict that, that was, uh, the, the king's signet ring was stamped on it. And uh, no one was allowed to pray. And Daniel wasn't going to have anything to do with that. This is where faith comes in. Amen? He wasn't going to have anything to do with that because every morning he went to the window. Now, Babylon is east of Jerusalem, so he prayed to the west. And he opened the window and, and, and westerly, and he prayed. And he did that every day, several times a day. Well, he got caught. So they threw him in the lion's den. And um, the lions scratched him up and marred him and, and, and wrecked his body and, and killed him, right? No, no. <laughs> no, he came, God brought him out of there totally unscathed. Completely unscathed. Does the Lord care? Oh boy, I would think so. Uh, and how wonderful that we can pull these things out of his word and confirm because his word is living and sharper than any two-edged sword. And, um, and we know it's true. So um, that, that, was, that was Daniel's situation. And since he was there with three other guys, let's talk about them. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah would not bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's image that he had built. And then they got caught too. So they heated up the furnace. And they said, now, I'm going to give you one more chance to do this and do it right. And they refused. So they heated the furnace up uh, seven times hotter than it was normally heated. And they threw Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah into that fiery furnace. And it was so hot that the, guy, the couple of guys that threw them in died. They, bur they burned. They got too close. Nebuchadnezzar's guys. And um, when Nebuchadnezzar stepped up to see, he, he thought something was a little funny because they're in the furnace there and he thinks he sees them and it doesn't look like they're harmed. So he steps up a little closer and then he starts counting, and there's four of them in there. And there were supposed to be three. And the fourth was Jesus. And they came out of there unscathed. I mean, these are situations that you would not think of, of, of being as extreme as they are. But extreme they were, but not to God. They were no issue to God whatsoever. Um, and the level of, of his caring along the way is just, just immense. So where is God? You know, sometimes you, we get so, so down and, and, uh, and, and we're struggling. And where is he? The 23rd Psalm tells us, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know the rest. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and they, thy staff, they comfort me. There he is, always there, always there. Now, this is all good, uh, but we need to talk about suffering a little bit. Will we suffer along the way? Oh, yeah. 
Yes, we will. But what is God's promise concerning this? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. We'll jump back into the New Testament. 1 Peter 5.10 says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, will perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. What a caring God we have. Romans 8.18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. I mean, you begin when you're down and you begin to read some of these verses, you're going to wind up rejoicing. I mean, that's just the way it's going to go. Um, no matter how tough it's been for you or what the situation uh, might, might, you might be going through is all about. How about Proverbs 18, verse 10? The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. Let's take a look at Psalm 61, verses 1 through 3. Psalm 61, 1 through 3. Hear my cry, O God. Attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I will cry to you. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. And you know, we cry out to him because we know that this is how he is toward us. He favors us. So we cry out to him. If, if we ever begin to lose heart when we're in the midst of a struggle, somehow we've forgotten these verses. We've forgotten because they describe how he is on our behalf. Psalm 34, verse 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Notice it's never a little bit, it's never almost. In every one of these, it's, it's the complete rescue of our situation. In his time, just like we saw, right? And he knows that timing perfectly. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 3 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Now, there are a ton more of these passages that I just had to push aside because they're so voluminous. There's so much of this in Scripture. As I began digging through, I thought, well, I'll dig them all out and then we'll be fine. No, I didn't even come close. It's just amazing, the immensity. I mean, you could go on from what, where we've come so far with all these scriptures, and you could open your Bible and you, you, you wouldn't go very far, and you'd have more that we haven't even read. 
So many scriptures. So, but unfortunately, I had to cut it off somewhere or begin cutting it off. I hated to. But um, uh, we've got more, but um, uh, there's just so many. It's overwhelming. Second Thessalonians, we'll go back to the New Testament. Second Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. This is when Israel was supposed to take the land under Joshua. And those were difficult times to, to wade into that occupied territory and weed them out as God had commanded. So De uh, Moses said in Deuteronomy 31, verse 6, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And that's concerning those that occupied the land that they, they had to take over there. Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. I, I told you I had to cut it off, but yeah, I, I kept going a little bit. <laughs> I couldn't help it. it was, I didn't know which ones to throw out, you know. It's, <laughs> there's so many. So Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. You know that one, right? You've heard that one. And... Psalm, here comes the right hand again. Psalm 138, verse 7, your right hand will save me. Now jump back into the New Testament, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, who will also do it. Who will also do it. It's not just, I hope so, in the world sense. It's a guaranteed hope. First Thessalonians, uh, did I read that? Yes, First Thessalonians 5, 23, 24 that was. He will do it. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. We are hard-pressed, the Apostle Paul says, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. And then in John chapter 10, verses 28 through 30, this is Jesus speaking. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I mean, this is exhaustive. And uh, so, unfortunately, we're, we're going to have to leave the rest on the cu cutting floor, as they say. Cutting room floor. And uh, maybe pick them up some other time. Romans 8.26 Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You all know that verse. 
And here he is, in the depths of our despair, sometimes, we don't know how to pray. We don't know enough about the situation other that, that, that is a problem for, that it's a problem for us. We don't know how to pray. So he takes care of that. And unscram- he, he unscrambles our thoughts and our, our moods and our, our um, sadness or whatever we're going through and delivers it in the form of a perfect prayer to the Heavenly Father. I mean, how good is that? How good is that? All right, then. Is God's care for us really as formidable as his word seems to indicate? Well, when Lazarus died, the shortest verse in the Bible says, Jesus wept. As Stephen, that mighty man in the faith, as he was completing his charge to the Sanhedrin and was about to die from the barrage of stones that were pummeling his body, our magnificent Savior respectfully arose from his throne and personally ushered him into glory. Upon which we can be certain that he heard the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. What a tremendous servant of the Lord, Stephen. I mean, how good would it have been had had that been us and we'd have had that opportunity? And eventually it it led to Saul's conversion because he was standing there um, in consenting with what was happening to Stephen at that time, unsaved. Do you know what I think Stephen knew as those stones were being hurled? I think he knew Romans 8.28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purposes. Job knew that too. Listen to what he said while extolling the virtues of his heavenly father. He says, but he knows the way that I take. Oh yes, Job was very aware of God's watchful eye. He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. For he performs what is appointed for me. And many many such things are with him. Do you sense there's a relationship? There was a relationship going on here? Oh, yes. And our active and ongoing relationship with the Lord is so important to living an encouraged Christian life. In spite of what we're going through after seeing all of this, we can be certain that it's all good, that all things do work together for good when the Lord's involved, and he's constantly involved. Now, as the hymn goes, as the hymn reads, 
His eye is on the sparrow, and he watches over me, and you, and all of us. Psalm 121, verses 1 through 3. I will lift up my eyes to the hills, from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Let's take a look at what he's done for us in our lives to get us even to the point where we're at now. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom... Also, we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. That was our nature. We just did it. All wrong, and we just did it. But coming up next are two of the most incredible words in all of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I mean, how much better can it get? This is just incredible stuff. And as if all this is not enough, we'll come to our closing passage, which is Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 39. Some of you can already, probably the words are beginning to form. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the first to the image of his son. That's what he's doing with us. Just simply amazing. That he, that he, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Um, that he there, sometimes we trip up on that a little bit and we think he is, is me. No, that's Christ here. That he, Christ, might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we're the brethren. Verse 30, moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. And now we're into the endless chain of events that's going to get us, that's going to guarantee that God's going to get us where we need to be. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. He who called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Our glorification is coming, all from from what God has done, done and what he's doing. Verse 31 says, what then shall we say to these things? And wondering if in the, our deepest despair, wondering if God is there and if he really cares, listen to this. 
For if God be for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? And now after all these verses we've seen, we know that ain't happening. Amen? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How powerful. I mean, if if you're here today and you've never had the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, this would be just an awesome time for you to to come to grips with that reality that, first of all, it's available to you, and secondly that you can avail yourself of it. He he, he didn't die for just a few of us in here. He died for everybody. Anyone who calls on his name in repentance uh, for sin and and the, the struggles in your own life, that you can call upon him and he will save you. And all these things will instant, we've talked about this morning, will instantly apply to you. I wonder if you would just lift, lift a hand for me. If, if, you, if you have need this morning, if, you don't, if, you, if you're there, sitting there and you say, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if, if, if I really know that this is available, you say it is, but all these things sound very, very good, and the Holy Spirit will impress that upon you. And is there anyone here at all that you'd like me to pray for you? I won't embarrass you. I won't call you out. If you'd like me to pray for you in that regard, you need Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Anyone at all? Well, I just hope that uh, uh, this has been an enlightenment to you, an encouragement to you, and um, uh, we are so happy, mothers, that you're here with us, and how endearing that name Mom is, and, but how endearing the name of Jesus in our lives. And uh, uh, we're, we're going to be able to do this again Father's Day. How nice that'll be. So uh, thank you so much, and uh, God bless. Pastor Ken?